This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 33 of The Fourth Wall. I'm, of course, your host, Griffin Schiller, and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from writers, directors, actors, you name it. This show is, of course, part of the Playlist Podcast Network, where you can find the rest of our amazing film and television-centric catalog. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there, so consider subscribing to the podcast feed. My guest today truly needs no introduction, because he is arguably the most popular filmmaker on the planet right now, with such a loyal fan base um, and such a distinct vision and style, and he's got a new film coming out on Netflix this Friday, and that film is Army of the Dead, and I am so privileged and honored to be able to say that I got to talk with Zack Snyder. Whether you love his films or you don't, I mean, there's no denying that Zack Snyder is one of the boldest, most unashamedly stylistic filmmakers of all time. I mean, ranging from Dawn of the Dead to Watchmen to 300, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, he spent over 15 years bringing audiences some of what they crave most, which is genre thrills coded in glorious slow motion, uh, top-tier special effects, and it makes a product so distinct. I mean, it's as though it was ripped out of the pages of a graphic novel. Every single frame of a Zack Snyder film can basically uh, be be hung up and framed on your wall. It's so beautiful. The man is unafraid of spectacle. That is no doubt. He loves a great epic story, but his critics seem to focus solely on that, almost ignoring his ability to successfully and effectively craft emotionally and thematically rich character stories, particularly when dealing with the notion of parenthood and family, which... Army of the Dead does incredibly well. It, it is a very self-reflective uh, observation and examination of fatherhood. But coming off of the tumultuous production of Justice League, which we're not going to get into here, and an immense personal tragedy, Snyder brings us his latest take on the zombie genre with his directorial hallmarks all over the place. Yet, they've been dialed back, and it's rather refreshing. It feels like a Zack Snyder movie, but there's also this tangible grittiness to it, almost filmed very guerrilla style, that I, I found to be incredibly effective and, uh, you know, nice to see from him. The film is, of course, set in Las Vegas after the zombie apocalypse ravages the city, and only the city, and it stars Dave Bautista in an incredible role, probably Dave Bautista's best role to date, as this hard-edged mercenary who is leading a crew into Vegas to steal $200 million before the city goes up in a nuclear blast, partly so he can secure his future, but primarily so he can rebuild his relationship with his estranged daughter. But Army of the Dead is also a special film for Snyder because he not only wrote and directed the project, but he got back behind the lens serving as its director of photography and sole cameraman. And the end result, as I mentioned, is 
one of his most unique looking films. And it seems that Netflix is also very excited and very on board with the film because Snyder is also working on at least two spinoffs that we know of. An animated series and a prequel film, which Snyder does get into throughout the course of this conversation. So you're going to want to keep listening for the details on that. But we don't just touch on that. We also touch on his long rumored and previously announced George Washington film, which sort of just like... It was announced and then it went away and now he sort of shed some light onto what happened with that. Uh, the prospects of a 300 part three, which, you know, I'm a big 300 fan, so I want to see this 300 part three. Um, but uh, some, some of the details that he gives regarding that is actually very interesting and in how the writing process turned that film into something completely different. He also touches a little bit on his upcoming King Arthur adaptation, you know, with him being a big fan of Excalibur. It's great to see him dive into a project like that, and especially with his, you know, knack for epic storytelling. It seems like a, an appropriate fit there. Um, and then we just talk about the zombie genre in general and just the, the effectiveness of it and how to make zombies scary again this day and age. Uh, we go back to his work in commercials. I mean, it's a very extensive uh, conversation with Zack Snyder, and we touch on uh, as much as we possibly can with the time I was given with him, and I am so uh, thankful that I was able to uh, have this conversation with him. I, I've been a big fan of his since I, I was growing up, and so being able to talk to a filmmaker like this who's you know had an impact on my own life is uh, was really special, and I hope the conversation is as enjoyable for you all to listen to as it was for me to, uh, you know, participate in. And so um, without further ado, let's get into this thing. Here is our conversation with Zack Snyder. Um, I think uh, the last time we spoke, it was like it was really only briefly during like a roundtable for Justice League. And um, I asked you sort of about your process behind creating uh, your openings, how you make them so like precise, detailed and everything like that. And I kind of wanted to pick back up there because you promised that Army of the Dead was going to have like another kick ass opening like that. And and man, you <laughs> I mean, you delivered with that. You really weren't you weren't joking. And I, I think it's probably one of your best ones to date. Oh, cheers. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I kind of want to just sort of like talk about the process of um, of creating that 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 sequence for you and where, where the idea sort of came from. Yeah, I guess I had. Um, yeah, no, I'd been like, oh, well, I'll just do the like whole fall of Vegas in the title sequence. So we don't have to worry about that. That was like a thing I just said. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what that how that would manifest itself. But like I, I was pretty I remember Shay and I were right when we were writing the script. I was like, OK, so I'll just write like the weird little title sequence. So I just wrote it. It was pretty, it's, it's frankly a pretty sketchy, the way I wrote it, it's pretty, I mean, there's details, but it's not crazy. Um, but then I got to work uh, when I went into this sort of drawing phase of uh -huh. the movie, I really kind of dug down and uh, went for it as far as the, and so like, you know, the title sequence is very, I mean, as far as the drawing of the sequence, um, it's, you know, it's kind of like, this is this is the level that I drew it at. You know, it's like Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's Scott and Cruz and that's Soccer Mom getting crushed by the Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So, anyway, so, so like Yeah, it was really carefully carefully sort of drawn out at that point and then I kind of knew how the pieces would fit together. Yeah, so that's that's actually something I'm curious about because I think you showed me some of the the 300 ones the last time we spoke. How like is that the level of detail you go into when, when you're just sort of like mapping these things out and then you give those to storyboard and then they sort of no, like take it. No, that's it. From there? That's what we oh. share. I don't get oh, that. okay. Yeah. That's, that was all, 
it kind of ends there for everybody. Because if you look carefully at the drawings, all, everything's there. Um, sometimes um, there will be certain sequences, like the huge action sequence, I may um, get like Jay or someone to help me draw that, you know, because yeah. a lot of posing and stuff. And I was like, okay, let's just, let's just do that. And they're good. So, but yeah. like, so that, this whole sequence, much like Watchmen or whatever, I just started and just drew the whole thing through. Yeah, well, that's the, that's that's immediately what kind of like came to mind was the opening for Watchmen and like not only just like the striking visuals, but just like how important the the selection of music was and like obviously you know oh it's the fall of Vegas use Viva Las Vegas, but not you're not just using Viva Las Vegas, you're using like this this particular version and you're getting yeah. like you know it starts out really chaotic and then as it sort of like progresses, it gets really like emotional and sorrowful. Like I, I've never heard that song. Um, I, I guess covered in a way like that before. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, Allison and Allison did the recording. Allison Crow, um, who sings Hallelujah at the end of um, Justice League. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same singer, but she um, and then Richard Cheese does the like opening, um, which is a bit of a callback to Dawn of the Dead because he did, of course, the um, Down with the Sickness uh, in that movie. Yeah, but. Um, there is this kind of cool reflexive quality too, because, you know, he, you know, like he, he's acknowledging what he sees in a way, you know, like he's like, look out Elvis or kaboom. Yeah. So it's kind of fun and kind of, uh, that was the design that it be kind of, um, um, you know, a, like a, like, Oh, this is like a, this is a romp and it's just some zombie fun. And then it, you know, yeah, so, yeah. So kind of, it kind of draws you in slowly, and then it's got you. Yeah, that's kind well, of well. That well, that's sort of. I I think it's it's just almost sort like of a, a metaphor for the movie. Too. I was literally just about to say that. That's like a perfect encapsulation of just the the film in general. You start out with like the zombie mayhem and the blood, but like there's, you know, at least what resonated most with me was like how deep and um you know personal it sort of was especially with the characters um and, and i don't know maybe i was reading a little bit too much into it but i saw it a lot i saw a lot of you uh inside the character of scott it almost felt a little bit self-reflective i i don't know if that sure. was that was true or not but it, it, absolutely i mean i think that like you know um yeah there was a lot i mean we we you know i wrote most of that father daughter stuff and uh yeah, you just, I mean, you can't help but, like, make it kind of personal, so. Yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. But, and, and not not only just in terms of the storytelling, but, I I don't know, like, even in terms of the production, it just felt like this was, like, almost the, the, the perfect, uh, it was a little bit of catharsis for you. Just, I, I have to imagine going from, you know, your time in, like, the massive, uh, you know, studio, big budget movies, going to something like this that feels a little bit more uh, back to your roots. I mean, you're not only writing and directing, you're you're the DP on the film as well. There's a lot of practical effects. Um, yep. I, I don't know, was it just, uh, can you talk a little bit about that experience and maybe how, maybe why that was the, the perfect place to to pick up after the, the studio stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, the abstraction of filmmaking had become problematic. You know, there was like, you know, we had reached a, I think critical mass with the um, scale of the movies, it had gone, you know, kind of into the stratosphere. And yeah. I just felt like this was an opportunity to sort of recapture a bit of the why of making a movie. And um, yeah, that's 
that's kind of that was probably that's what I had to do with my decision to shoot the film mm-hmm. to be as well um was that kind of need to kind of restore that um you know the joy of filmmaking and i think that uh, and i did absolutely had that experience making the movie it was a blast and my crew was amazing i had just a great time overall yeah um so uh yeah that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of the why of it yeah well i guess acting as uh the dp i guess what what were some of the because this is the first time you've done something like that obviously i mean i have to imagine you've shot stuff before but like uh doing a full film like this what was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome and then what did you sort of learn from collaborating with like the great dps like like someone like larry fong or something like that yeah which which actually by the way i i loved the the larry fong easter egg in in the in the film as well yeah um yeah uh i was i mean i was a director cameraman for about 10 years in commercials i've shot hundreds of tv commercials myself and i really that part of it i'm pretty comfortable with right i know the gear and i know how to do it um, but, um, you know, uh, I, and, and yes, I've learned a ton from Larry and, uh, you know, he's a genius and I, I love working with him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's kind and patient with me and I'm pretty, um, specific about what I want to film. So he's, he gives me a lot of indulgences. Um, and uh, But then when it came time to shoot the movie, you know, I just had a very, uh, I had a real particular point of view on how to shoot it. And I think that's, you know, what we ended up with was, uh, I think, you know, something um, pretty unique and kind of crazy, but really it was really fun to shoot. And again, it just yeah. reinserted me into the process in a way that made me, super excited i mean i was like you know when you're when you shoot the physics and not and not only was it the dp but i was operating the camera yeah um it's really uh, it's really immersive motion picture experience yeah I, I guess how does that sort of um when you're when you're balancing that with directing i, I guess is, is that just like a i don't i have to imagine that it's just like an absolute rush when you're on set i mean and, and not even just like you know, being a DP, like you said, actually operating the camera and then like going from that to like directing the actors and it's just like constant movement, you know? Yeah, you're like the days went by fast. Let me put it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, like you don't, there's no sitting down. There's no, I I was like, I banned chairs from the set. I was like, no chairs, no one sits, like we don't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, but the nice thing is like, it's really intimate, you know? So like if you're filming, um, you know, you can just, like I can just talk to the actors right there. To like, I'm not back at a monitor across the room. I'm like right there. I'm just like, listen, you should yeah. probably try and like, you know, just turn a little bit more or whatever, and then or like be a little bit more um, emotion. I don't know whatever the director. Who knows what I'm saying? But um, the actors were like, oh, thanks. You know, that's great. You know, because it was a really instantaneous. Um, yeah. So, so do you think that in in you know in hindsight maybe it was more beneficial to the performances and just the overall like that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely the most um, purely engaged I've been. You know, making a movie like it's there was like nothing for me but this what was right in front of me. You know. Yeah. And it um, it was fun, but it was really 
like a blast, like I say. Yeah, well, I I mean, that that comes through, like, immediately the second the movie starts. You're just like, okay, this is... Yeah, I, I can tell that everyone involved had had a really good time making this movie. Um, so you, you mentioned that you worked in commercials for a little bit. I actually want to go back to when um, you, you first started out as a filmmaker because, uh, you know, you came up in an era where, you know, so many prominent directors like Michael Bay or, or like David Fincher, that so many of them got their start in commercials. And it was sort of like back in that era, it was like if you proved yourself then, then you would eventually sort of like rise through the ranks, then studios might tap you for for projects. And there was almost like a, I mean, obviously it's not an absolute, but there was almost like a trajectory for how you could become yeah. a director. Um, yeah. And I'm sort, of, I'm sort of curious, like how you look back uh, at that time and like how those experiences and that journey sort of shaped you and then what you think of how that's sort of changed today, because that is absolutely not the case in today's landscape. Yeah, going to using the commercial trajectory to get into yeah. movies is not really happening. Um, yeah, and by the way, when I first went to film school, there was the um, you could get a movie off uh, a movie that you made in school, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was always that kind of conversation, but that's like a one shot deal, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of taking a hard swing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just, I, I opted for the like version where we, um, where I made a bunch of commercials and I made her put a reel together and, um, you know, I, I took it, I, I, I interviewed at a bunch of production companies and I got signed by a company called at the end, uh, at the time it was called the end and now it's believe media, same company I'm with now, um, uh, right out of college. I was, you know, wow. literally right out. I mean, I was in school still. Yeah. Um, I never, I didn't finish my master's cause I just left and, and went to work. Uh, and so that was cool, but, um, maybe one day, uh, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it, and so it did equip me for, you know, any possible scenario. I mean, literally I've shot who knows how many TV commercials, hundred, mm-hmm. uh, hundreds, and uh, every possible scenario, whether it be like, and I was known at the time weirdly for shooting a lot of look, I was like a location guy, hundred percent, like big, big images shot on location out somewhere in the, the edge of the world. Yeah. So I traveled all over Papua New Guinea, Australia, South Africa, Namibia, uh, Morocco, all over Europe you know, Iceland a bunch of times, um, just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of my thing. That's what I was kind of known for. And then, but my reel was big and it looked awesome and they were like, okay, you know, and that's all mostly stuff I shot myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and then that's how I got, that's how I got a movie. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's it's interesting how you, like some of the things you sort of learn from working in, um, I guess like advertising or, or, or stuff like that. Cause I, I even heard, um, I think I was listening to an interview where um, Debbie, your, your, your wife mentioned uh, that you guys like to be hands-on with the, the marketing and the advertising when it comes to your own movies. And I wonder, and I, I have to assume that's also because of both of your backgrounds in, um, in advertising. Yeah. I remember when we did Dawn of the Dead, I said to the marketing guys, I'm like, guys, you, you want my input like on this promise yeah. like on the trailer i go let's just put it this way 
if you came to me and I hadn't made this movie, I would say no to you. Like you wouldn't, one, you wouldn't be able to afford me and two, I'd say no. So like, I'm free. Like, you know, let's go. Yeah. So I, you know, so I had a lot to say about those and, you know, and, and I always have a lot to say about the trailers and the marketing and all that, because I just, frankly, I know, I know that stuff, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you spend so much time in that department. It's almost, it's, I have to imagine it's almost like difficult for you not to just like cut the trailer yourself, you know? Well, I guess you got to do that with justice league, but like, you know, usually. But uh, almost every trailer I've worked on in my entire career, I've had a pretty strong hand in, yeah. in, in guiding, you know? Yeah. Normally the way we do it is Jen Horvath comes, she's cut so many of my trailers and I just put her in editorial in my editorial and she's just in down the hall from me, you know, just go in there. And, and normally there's kind of like a, the way it works in movies a lot is there's like a, and you know, it still does, but like a lot of times there's just like a bidding, like there's a bunch of, they make a bunch of trailers at the same time and then you decide which one's the best. Mm -hmm. And we've done that some, but a lot of times I'm just like, Jen and I are going to cut the trailer. It's going to be awesome. So. Mm, Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure out of all of them, that's the one that, that most that you guys usually end up going with so <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um i do want to kind of Every time then there's a curveball like i'll go like what the hell that's amazing yeah yeah right it's like oh i didn't even consider that before no, i'm but... not afraid to say something's awesome yeah 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 for sure um so i kind of want to go into uh you know some of your other past works that you've done and uh one of the ones i think one of the i think the film that first introduced me to your work was uh 300 i watched it in a latin class in like i i don't even remember but maybe like high school or something like that and uh because we were talking about mythology and whatnot and so ever since then i've been a massive fan of just that movie the visual style and and i was even a big fan of the sequel as well um and i remember that I, I remember hearing that you guys were working on a part three, but I guess it just never sort of came together. Is that like still something you're interested in continuing to sort of like finish up that, that story or is, you know, I, uh, I got on a, you know, well, I did, we did talk about it a lot. We were yeah. this. There was a whole bunch of different iterations for 300 part three. Um, and who knows, maybe there will be still, I just kind of, you know, couldn't really get my teeth into it. Mm. Except for, you know, I did over the pandemic, um, I had a deal with Warner Brothers and I wrote, which was essentially going to be an Alexander, uh, a, the, the final chapter in 300. But when I sat down to write it, I actually wrote a different movie. So oh, wow. It's just like, you know how like, I just sat down, I was writing this thing about Alexander the Great and it just turned into um, a movie about the relationship between Hephaestion and Alexander the Great. Hmm. And it, 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 it turned out to be a relationship, like a love story. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I ended up writing. I, I didn't mean to. So it really didn't fit in, in, the, in, the, um, in the 300 um, as the third movie. Right. Um, but you know, there was that concept and it came out really great. Uh, I would really, I'm, um, it's called blood and ashes and it's really like a beautiful, it's, it's a love story really in the end Interesting. with warfare. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna ask is that is, so is that something that's like in, in the, you're in the process of working on, like, obviously you wrote the script, but is it, is I it would love get... to do it. Uh, Warner's doesn't like it. Oh, um, okay. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. They're not like, you know, they're not huge fans of mine. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, that actually just reminded me, because I, I remember there was another, I guess, 300-esque kind of movie. I remember hearing, like, like years and years ago about, like, George Washington and, like, the crossing of the Delaware River or something like that. Um, yeah. I don't, is that something that you're still interested in making? Because the concept of that just sounded absolutely fascinating to me, and we don't get a whole lot of Revolutionary War films these days, so... Yeah, I, I talked about um, my buddy and I had been thinking about doing a, a George Washington um, movie that was all about, you know, um, the, that that whole that whole time from after he leaves New York to um, crossing the Delaware um, and the battle with the Hessians and that whole that whole because okay. it kind of turns it kind of turned the tide. They, they were pretty much done at that point. You know, there was not a lot of it was like if they if that hadn't worked out, the Battle of Trenton, uh, if that hadn't worked out, um, that would have been that was pretty much the end of the line. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really a pivotal battle. So you know we we talked a lot about doing that movie. They did a lot of there's a lot of cool things that they did there, and a lot of cool sort of mystic mythological um, things that we were going to mess around with. But oh. you know, it just I got we got kind of both kind of get busy. But it's a yeah I love it. It's a cool world. That's fascinating. Yeah, I, I don't even know how you would incorporate like mysticism in something like that. But but I don't know. You always find a way to we just did the like, research. It's pretty yeah. cool. There's some pretty cool things, you know, like with um, just kind of like with uh, masons and there's like a lot of crazy. Masons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a good point. The the masons and I, I guess all the the sort of um, yeah the stuff that comes with them and the the conspiracy theories and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, it's all fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then I guess now you're you're also, well, I don't know. I, I guess you're in the process of tackling Excalibur, right? Or the well, the I'm King writing Arthur? a. Here's what I'm writing. I wrote like a. I'm writing right now. I'm in the process of writing a kind of a. Basically, it's just like a retelling of Excalibur, like of the Arthurian legend. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of set, you know, in the, in a different place. I, I don't know if they've said it, but it, it, it's. It's like a, you know, like a, kind of like, in the, you know, in the sort of gold rush era of America, mm. um, kind of weird Arthurian. But anyway, it's cool, and I really, um, I'm really kind of into it, and it's fun, and it's like, you know, it's kind of crazy. But you know that, and then I, I have this other giant thing I'm trying to do with Netflix right now. Yeah, right. Well, and and then you're also sort of like ex- expanding on the the Army of the Dead, I, I guess, sort of like universe. I mean, you have uh, like spinoffs and stuff in the works. I mean, yeah. you, you already shot one, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, we're in the middle of the animated series, and we have the um, the Matthias shot a movie that Shay and I came up with. The, Shay wrote the script, and he and I wrote the story, um, and we produced it, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Dieter's character in, in Germany and why he's obsessed with the Gotterdammerung and the other ring cycle safes. And you realize that he's he's like a, a weird safe dork. It's kind of a romantic comedy about hmm. him kind of like him being drawn into this international crime syndicate that want to use him to crack these incredible safes that are all over Europe. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a character that I, I think fans and, and just audiences are going to fall in love with because he uh i mean my god he was just a scene stealer and every single 
every single sequence that he was in, just the timing, the the awkwardness. Uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, and, he, and by the way, it's more of that in the movie that he made. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So so fans of his can definitely look forward to to seeing more of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. He really the movie's really fun too. By the way, it's really cute. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, and I guess that'll be a nice sort of like uh compliment to like, the, I guess the, the more grand scale version of what we're getting with. Yeah. With, uh, Army. I mean, and the crazy. Uh, and surprisingly, I'm not gonna say how much the movie was. It was a pretty low budget movie that they made in Europe, but it's pretty big feeling. It's like, uh, wow. They go to all these all over Europe and they're being chased by Interpol. And it's like, uh, <laughs> like a whole- I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Uh, so I, I guess when you're when you're going back to something like the uh, like the zombie genre, right? Which is we we've seen so many different iterations over the years. I mean, it's been around since like the beginning of uh, of cinema. It's like there, there's already like a big challenge in trying to make that scary again uh, for a modern audience, especially when we have shows like you know the, the Walking Dead, where it's like they're just sort of like background noise at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think you you were really able to do that, especially through Zeus, who I mean, just by the silhouette uh, of him, just in in like the corner of a room or whatever. I mean, just was so imposing, so terrifying. The I don't know I don't know how you were, you were able to do it, but you were able to make zombies terrifying again in a way that I hadn't I haven't seen in like years. Yeah, and I think it's like well, first of all, Rich is amazing and a great actor. And yeah, really to be around and. He's been in every movie I've made, so it's always a joy to have Rich on set. But so, but beyond that, I think um, if there is a beyond that, um, but yeah, beyond that, uh, I think the idea was, you know, that their kind of just shadowy humanity makes them even kind of scarier mm. than uh, just mindless killing machines, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, um, I I do want to sort of talk about, and, and maybe this is a little bit of a, I don't want to say it's a, a pedestrian question, but I oh. I have just always been like fascinated with your style, right? Like how like the the origin of that, how you came to adopt that, like how you sort of like tinkered and, and tweaked it over the years, because it is so distinct to you as a as a storyteller, and it is really effective. And I'm sort of curious, just like how like why do you think it's it, it works uh, for you, and then why do you continue to come back to that? Well, first of all, I don't analyze it very hard, you know, um, as far as it all comes from the drawings in a lot of ways. I just, yeah. like, I make the shots in the drawings, and then when I go film it, it's really just instinctive to me, like, how to see it, how to see the scenes and stuff, and they're very particular. Like, you know, I would say, like, for instance, this movie, I, and look, I'm not, I'm happy. I'm super happy to shoot a bunch of slow motion. I have no issue. People always like, you're the slow motion guy. Like, okay. mm-hmm. But you know, the truth is like this movie doesn't have that much slow motion. In it. And no, like, not really. I haven't had that much slow motion in movies I've made for the last like, well, you know, since after Sucker Punch, probably. Right. Yeah. Um, Sucker Punch was kind of the last movie that had like a ton of slow motion. In it. You know, Man of Steel had zero. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and uh, Batman vs. Superman, I think, at zero. Um, and so, you know, which is cool. I, and like I say, I have no issue. Justice League got a bunch of slow motion, but I didn't care. Um, but um, yeah, it's just like, look, there's money falling from the sky and you're shooting a machine gun. Probably should be slow motion shot. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all instinctive. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You don't really have to be like a. 
I don't know. That doesn't take a lot of work to get to that one, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, for he's sure. Like, uh, we're going to do this shot, and like he's, they're in a casino. Zombies anywhere. Somehow there's money falling from the ceiling all around them like a snowstorm. You'd be probably like, slow motion, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's interesting just how much of that is is instinctive because I, I don't know. I I was I at least in my mind, you know, just watching these, I'm like, oh my gosh, the planning that must go into some of these, especially in something like 300, right, where it's like there's like so much of it, and and it's like it's really it really works for the fight sequences. But um, that movie we did do a ton of R and D on, you know. Oh, okay. And that was a very carefully made. The camera rigs, everything we had to invent, you know, for that was insane. But um, Army is like, uh, you know, I guess maybe where it comes from is I do love sort of like iconographic images. I like these, like an image that would just stand, mm. you know, it doesn't need the movie. Um, I find that really fun. You know, and that's probably why I like the trailer so much because it's just like shot after shot that you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And I think that, so that, I do have fun making those kinds of shots. I know when they're coming to, I'll be like, all right, get ready. Everyone's just going to move in the trailer. Yeah. And, you know, like you could tell, it's like, holy shit, like that's insanity. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, well, I guess I, I gotta, I do have to start wrapping up here in a second, okay. but I will give you, I, I just one final question here. So, something that I love about you uh, as a filmmaker, aside from just how candid you are, how honest you are, um, is, is how engaged you are with your fans. I mean, it, yeah. it really goes beyond just like the bare minimum. You, you know, you'll have hour long conversations with them about your work and you'll answer, uh, you know, most all of their questions. Um, when it comes to actually breaking down your films in depth, I'm, I'm sort of curious what your philosophy is when you're discussing the subtext, the, the, the illusions or the, or the, or the deeper meanings uh, with those fans, because I know quite a few filmmakers they don't like to do that, right? They refuse to interpret their films for an audience or, or validate certain readings, but you're, you're pretty willing to do that. And, and I'm sort of curious why that is. I just think that, um, well, frankly, for me, uh, we do a lot of, I, when I'm making the movie, spend a lot of time, you know, on the layering of the movie, trying to make sure that it works on multiple layers at the same time, that it, it has this meaning and that meaning and that, I'm always slipping Easter eggs in as much as I can. So like, it's a thing I am working on constantly. So it'd be great. So to not acknowledge it seems rude, right. um, you know, because frankly, it's a lot of work to watch these movies over and over and kind of analyze it and get to the why of it. And so it seems fair if someone's gonna put that effort in that I would also be able to, you know, go down that same rabbit hole and have that same conversation yeah yeah for sure well that's i, I by the way it's it's fun well yeah obviously getting the the multiple interpretations too something that maybe you never thought of before as well yeah, it, there's yeah. plenty of things i'm like what oh yeah that's crazy yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I do have to wrap now, but listen, Zach, uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. I've always been a fan of your movies. Always been a big supporter. So I'm I'm glad to see you. Uh, you know, have a great movie come out with with Army of the Dead, uh, and just I I can't wait for audiences to see it. Achoo. Thank you so much. 
Well, there you have it, guys. That was my conversation with director Zack Snyder. Uh, I am seriously so thankful that I was able to have that opportunity. He is an, an absolute great, genuine guy, straight shooter. I love how candid he is, how honest he is, and um, the the remarkable relationship that he has fostered with his uh, with his fans. I mean, it's not something that you see uh, a lot with filmmakers. He's truly one of a kind. But the most important thing is Army of the Dead is currently playing in select theaters. And I I can't recommend seeing that film enough on the big screen. It's exactly what it was made for. But, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing so or if it's not playing in your area, it also debuts on streaming on Netflix this Friday, May 21st. So definitely give it a watch. It's one of uh, his best films for sure. Be sure, as always, though, guys, to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network so you don't miss out on more episodes of The Fourth Wall, The Playlist Podcast, The Discourse, Be Real, so much more. Whatever your fix is, we definitely have you covered over there. And if you want to go the extra step and really uh, help us out, it would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review because it greatly helps the show out. It allows me to know what you're all loving and what you want to see more of. I don't have a guest lined up for my next episode just yet, but you know, as always, when I do, I'll be back to you all with another episode. But until then, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like me specifically and you like what I have to say, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, and I will catch you guys next time. Take care.